And when I moved to South Europe and I started to really focus on it 100%, also my mindset needed to change to be a startup, which is creating on the local team um, this startup mindset with, let's say, your own guidelines. So you have the guidelines of the group that you need to respect. And then you have, let's say, a second line, which is the guideline of the local country to be able to make it happen, trying to respect and match the processes of the global company. that helps you open and thrive in foreign markets. This is Steve here, your host speaking, and I'm excited to share the conversation I had with Frédéric Kinger-Johnson, General Manager and Vice President EMEA South and Latin America at Canton Square. He's living in Madrid right now, and they managed to scale the business to 100 clients and double the annual recurring revenue just over the last two years in that region. And as he was reflecting on their five-year journey so far, there is one phase he found was the most difficult as they scaled the business there, stabilizing the team. This means how to go from the launching phase to hiring a team that will sustain the business growth for a few years. And that's exactly what we're going to dissect together in today's episode of International Corner. Hi, Frederic. Thank you so much for joining in the International Corner Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you, Tiffany, for having me. Of course, it's uh, it's my pleasure. I'm really looking forward to to talk about uh, the work you've done with Constant Square in uh, scaling a team and and trying to talk about uh, one of the hardest, I would say, phases of that uh, scaling process. But perhaps could you start with uh, an introduction of yourself, your role, and what is Content Square? For sure, for sure. So once again, thank you for having me. I'm Frederick King Johnson, and I oversee the Southern Europe region, specifically Italy, Spain, and Portugal. I've been with Content Square since uh, 2014, so around nine years, a bit more, where I began actually to grow the French sales team from a startup to a unicorn. Now, as general manager, my role involves leading the development and growth of uh, various teams across countries. I'm also based in, uh, in Madrid with my family, actually. Um, nice. About Content Square. Yeah, that, that's lovely uh, life here. Uh, <laughs> about Content Square, we are the leading digital experience analytics platform, empowering businesses, brands to understand and optimize every interaction on their digital channels. So to sum up, we are a SaaS platform um, of advanced analytics and artificial intelligence to dissect user interactions with website and mobile applications. So the goal is really to make concrete decisions based on data and improve the customer experience of all our clients. Thanks, and uh, you're one of the greatest like French success stories as well. I personally met like Jonathan. Uh, I remember in New York a few years ago when uh, I was uh, um, opening the um, the US market for uh, another scale up. So um, definitely, you guys are like everywhere now, and uh, it's quite impressive. So very happy to have you here. Perhaps before digging into today's matter, 
let's go with uh, the concept that I called uh, the icebreaker. Basically, so just imagine you have a dice, six faces, just pick a number and I will read you a question. Um, five. Number five. Uh, all right. What did you want to do when you were younger as a job and how has that perhaps inspired uh, the, the, or led to, the, to, to what you are doing today? Good one. Uh, I think I wanted to be a singer, um, but not not only a singer, a singer that is making a business. Uh, so I always like, let's say, the the direct direction, the direct uh, the director mode, which is you know creating music, working with some uh, musicians, and at the same time the singers, etc., to be able to produce music. So more producer actually than a, producer. Than a real singer. Okay, and, and how do you think that influenced what you're doing today? Well, I think there is a link with the fact to be, a, you know, a manager or leader, which is yeah. trying to find the vision, trying to define what you want and the way you want to do it, and then to be able to work with a team and uh, align everyone to, to this vision and to be able to build something. Uh, so in the, in the example of my childhood and my wishes, it was to make a song, an album. Uh, now it's about uh, making a business that is concrete with uh, good people. <laughs> Amazing. Well, it's it's slightly different, though, right? Like, don't you don't you regret actually like not being a producer now? Or <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm, I'm only forty, so life is not uh, ended. I don't you're think right. so. <laughs> you're right. You're so right. sometimes I, I, I still do that as a you know as as a hobby, uh, nice. but maybe I can improve that in the in the next coming years but uh yeah now i'm really focusing on the on the business side actually and it's more small hobby well i mean for sure it's never too late to start but <laughs> thanks for sharing that all right so back to the two to, to today's topic maybe uh for us to have a better vision of how spread out content square is uh, internationally speaking could you tell us a little bit more about maybe you specifically the region that you cover number of uh, you know the numbers of countries involved uh, maybe numbers of people uh in your team etc yes yes for sure and, and maybe i will start by actually what you what you say regarding jonathan that is now living in in, uh, in new york so jonathan chuck is our founder and CEO, he moved actually to New York because he wanted to, to be there. Uh, he needed actually to grow the, the USA uh, business, which is key for us as a global SaaS company. Company is now a bit more than uh, 1,800 people. When I joined the company nine years ago, I was the number 21. Uh, so you can imagine how big and how grow it is to accelerate uh, in nine years like this. Uh, and why I'm saying this, because uh, I was part of the, the growing phase in uh, in France, uh, from a small startup once again to a really hyper growth scale up. Uh, I had in charge uh, 60 people before managing France because we started in France, we started in Paris, we are a French tech uh, company, but now we are an international one. And since uh, a bit less than three years, uh, my new scope is Southern Europe region. As I was saying, it's Italy, Spain, and Portugal. We also cover Latin America, but honestly, we don't have a strong focus there. Um, and in the South Europe team, um, we grew from nine to more than 35 people in the last three years. So it's also a, a big growth um, and a startup within the group, within the company, I would say. So the teams are diverse. Uh, we're covering about sales director, uh, account sales uh, managers, 
pre-sales, solution consultant, channel partners, SDR, but also customer success managers, CSM, and client support. And today, our client base has grown significantly. Uh, we now have more than 100 clients in the region. And the IRR, which is the key metric for a SaaS uh, company, it's the annual recurring revenue, mm-hmm. um, has doubled in the last two years. And we are talking about a two-digit IRR. I cannot share more details <laughs> about it. Um, so th- th- that's, that's a bit a big picture. Okay, very clear. Uh, and just maybe you said it, but uh, regarding your own region, how many people is that? 30, 35 people today, uh, split in Italy and, uh, and Spain. We have two offices. So one office in, uh, in Madrid, one office in, uh, in Milano, uh, in Milan, actually. And for Content Square, what is funny, I think, you know, every company, they have their own story. Uh, and when we discuss it uh, with different team uh, internally, with leadership team, and also when I have some conversation with uh, other companies or other SaaS company, there are always uh, an opinion and a different point of view regarding, is it better to start with Italy or is it better to start with uh, Spain when you want to develop Southern Europe region? I don't think there is a good answer. I do think that it's linked with the context of the company, uh, the opportunity also you can have, and the product market fit. Um, uh, it's not only I want to go to this country, is it a good moment to uh, have the good value proposition and potentially also to have the good people that can help me to go. So in our case, we started in Italy first and not in Spain because it was more for an opportunistic uh, reason. Um, we had actually one external business partner that was based in Milano that helped us to create the relationship with some prospecting clients. So we operated from Paris, from the HQ office with this person that wasn't you know, really part of the company as an employee, that was an external contractor, uh, but that helped us a lot to be able to develop the relationship. And let's say part of my team, the French team and myself included, we, we needed to move to uh, Milan uh, for some meetings. We needed to go uh, to, to Milan to have some meeting with some clients to be able to close them. And also we had an opportunity with uh, the luxury fashion uh, e-commerce sector. Uh, we really focused on this uh, on these brands and on this vertical at the beginning because we detected an opportunity. And this combination about the industry, the fashion uh, and luxury industry, and the fact that we had one good you know, help base in Milan, help us to start Italy. This is the way we started in Italy, let's say five years ago, uh, mm-hmm. from the Paris office. All right. Uh, you said a few concepts that are very important. And I think that since you started five years ago, a lot has happened, obviously. You guys went through uh, different stages uh, from, I guess, you know, working with that one person on the ground, you guys being remote, and then slowly starting going back and forth until actually creating a team. One one yeah. thing I think that's a common denominator in, in, in every phases, and even when we discussed prior to this conversation, was people, right? The team. And and when I asked you, uh, because there so much so much has happened, I, I did ask you the question, what was the hardest phase? Like what was the hardest for you? And you mentioned that stabilizing the team so that you guys could keep growing. So like past that first stage of launching was probably one of the, of the hardest parts of that growth journey so far. Could you, could you tell us a little bit more about that and why for you stabilizing the team to grow internationally is something hard to go through? 
Yes, sure. Um, so that's my, my point of view. Uh, I, I won't say that it's uh, easy to build a team, to create a go-to-market strategy, to launch a country um, building and scaling. But I would think that stabilizing is indeed the most difficult topic. Why? Maybe to give you a bit more perspective uh, about, I can take the Italian example. Huh? As you say, we started with one business partner from uh, a remote mode uh, based in Paris. And then I started to hire one SDR to help to generate pipeline and lead gen, helping this business partner. Then we needed to grow and to hire one sales, one junior sales, same, based in, uh, in, in Paris, and also one CSM to be able to take care of our custom base. So that was, let's say, uh, another step. And then it started to accelerate because we were able to generate new clients, new ARR, and we needed to, uh, to accelerate with marketing and a real team creation. Um, so why I was saying that stabilizing is complicated is that, of course, uh, hiring, launching, developing is, is really, really tough and require a lot of uh, work, energy. Uh, you need to go through multiple challenges, need to convince people to join an unknown startup, uh, building the brand, opening the office, aligning all teams. So um, th that was really tough in Italy and also in, in Spain. But at the same time, um, you don't have any comparison. You just have to launch it. And then you will see. So the plan is simple. You create a plan on Excel. Uh, you create a financial plan. You create a vision plan with the leadership. And then you need to execute. And execution is, of course, pretty hard but it's about execution. But when you, you've done this, well, it needs to work. The machine, the sales machine needs to work. And this is, for me, the stage of stabilizing. And you need the right people because if you don't have the right people, it won't be stabilized. And normally when you are growing, apart, uh, except if you are in a big, big, big company, you need to hire 100 people at the same time. It's face by face. Uh, and it's, we are not talking about a huge number. So let's say you are hiring a team of five people or 10 or even 15 people. When you start to have some people that don't fit with, don't match with the strategy of the company that don't have, uh, who don't have the same DNA or, or you, you, you don't want to uh, continue to work with them and you need to change them. If it's three, five people, this creates a big impact. So the stabilization is really linked to the team you are creating and building at the beginning that needs to be diverse, but um, complex to create the right cohesion and productivity on the long term. So this is why I, I really do think that, yeah, stabilizing it's uh, more difficult than uh, the go-to-market uh, phase. And you said a lot of points that are striking and, and important that I want to, to, to come back to. Obviously, um, the more general question behind it is, how did you stabilize your, your team? But I'm, I'm very interested in understanding how you got to that right team and, and maybe the impact as well of sometimes, as you said, you know, making mishired because it does impact the, the team as well. So yeah, trying to, you know, get to like how you made it right, basically. Um, well, I don't think we, we made it right. We made some mistakes and a lot of mistakes, actually. Um, but this helps you to, to grow because every mistake you can do, especially when you are launching countries and uh, uh, 
you know, working on uh, international expansion help you to adapt. So I do think that one, maybe we'll talk about this later, but one key strength will be the uh, um, uh, capacity to adapt to, uh, to, to, to the business and to the real, uh, real life. But getting back to your, to your question, um, how did I stabilize it? Um, it's a mix of different things. First of all, communication and clear uh, transparency is important when you are building a small team because you know it's, it's the backbone of the company, especially at the beginning. So if you don't align the organization, the process, and the people, you create a mess. And it's pretty complicated, actually, when, uh, when the company is already stabilized. What I want to say is that Content Square as a group, as a company, is stabilized and was stabilized when I launched the Southern Europe region. But the South region was new. So there is a big gap between a new country, a new region you want to launch, and the company that already has um, its own processes you know, and, uh, and way of working. And when you need to actually adapt it to the country, to also the people, to the culture, of course, and then to the market and the client's needs. And, and precisely, could you could you give us an example of what you went through? Because you said uh, alignment of organization, of processes, and that difference, obviously, of uh, growth stages you have compared to the headquarter. So could you tell us maybe uh, a little example about like what happened, you know, in your own experience where you saw may may maybe the gap in in, uh, in between both and how you addressed it? Yes, sure. I actually have many, many, many examples. I just need to try to pick up some, <laughs> some good ones. Um, but I can, I can start with, let's say, HR, hiring and people gap. And then we can talk a bit more about uh, some business gaps. Uh, so on, on this HR and hiring slash people topic, um, we think we know how to hire people in a country, but then to hire Uh, people in another country is a different topic because once again, the culture is different, potentially the language is different. So this can create some uh, misalignment and miscommunication. Uh, I'm talking English, as you can uh, you can hear, but with a beautiful French accent. So I'm not uh, I'm not bilingual. I'm fluent, but I'm not bilingual. And when I'm talking to a Spanish uh, girl or an Italian uh, guy, uh, it's the same. They are fluent, but they are not bilingual, mainly. So we are talking the same language, but at the same time, with our own culture and um, not with uh, the best vocabulary we can, we can use. So in the end, this can create confusion, uh, misalignment, and also mis-expectations. Uh, so this is one maybe stupid thing, but uh, that is impactful and, and it happened to me. And then there is some more, let's say, concrete and legal topic, which is, okay, you're thinking about ticket restaurant, so you, need, you, need, you know, some uh, vouchers, Uh, regarding foods uh, yeah, that you, meal, that, that meal, you have. Yep, yeah, meal vouchers, yes, correct. Meal, yeah, meal vouchers. Um, but maybe the rules are a bit different in another country. Um, and if you are deploying the same strategy than in France, even if you think you know because you, uh, you've done your homework before, in the end, this can create a, an impact when you're hiring your people. I'm saying this, but I, I can talk about health insurance that is much more important, especially when you hire someone that has a family, that has some children, etc. And then when this person will see a, his or her contract, won't understand. Okay, I don't understand this Villemotcher uh, um, comment. I don't understand the health insurance, etc. And this starts to create confusion at the very, very beginning of a relationship. And this happened to me. 
so this is a first example about the group, the process of a company, for example. And when you launch it um, in a new in a new country, you need to adapt. You need to understand, and or you are already uh, organized to do that. And it's big, big company that have a specific teams, department that are able to do that. Or you need, uh, if you're on hypergrowth, scale up, or startup mode, to <laughs> to try to to deep dive a bit. Um, so that was the first example, and maybe to give you more concrete about the business. And I've same here a lot of uh, example. Um, just, but just, for example, uh, yeah, just, uh, uh, on that front. So you mentioned obviously. Uh, a legal example and uh, and uh, language barriers, uh, more or less, uh, as you mentioned. So, how did you solve that? Well, you, once again, you don't you don't well you you take it, you learn from it, and you need to quickly adapt and explain. And once again, I get back to the communication and transparency, and to explain, for example, to uh, the hiring person um, to, to to the candidate you have. Okay, well, the you see. We are not 100% ready about everything because we are still growing. So we still need to know. So this is a concrete example about what you will see when you will join the company. Sometimes we won't have the question. We will need to adapt. We will need to check and to double check to get back to you with the proper answer. So does it, does it, um, does it work for you? Does it match your expectation? Because if not, it will create friction later. So. Me, I, I try to take this example as a concrete, um, you know, um, a concrete example once again about the way we are we are doing uh, the business. Mm -hmm. Okay, very clear. Okay, so really taking time to, as you said, uh, explain to HR, double check probing uh, with candidates as well to to make sure that there's no uh, misunderstanding that can lead to frustrations afterwards. Yes, uh, and, and when you are, let's say, the manager or the leader or, or whatever, you, you need to do, create this link between uh, the people, the team, here in this case, the candidate, and um, and the teams internally. And my focus was to re-ensure and make it clear for 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 the people or for the, the, the candidate, once again, in this example, and at the same time, to be able to align the team internally uh, of the company to say, okay, we need to adapt, we need to change this because... This is the feedback from the team. This is the feedback from the candidate. This is the feedback from the market. Um, so th th this is a, a specific job when uh, when you need to to launch it. Yeah, it seems uh, it seems as if uh, you're you basically act as a catalyzer of this change, right? Like you like you have to make sure so that the that that the message you know is spread across your organization and and that there's like this uh, good circle uh, of circulation of information to make sure that everyone is aware of what's going on and that uh, people can adapt to changes that are happening really fast in those growth stages, basically. Exactly, exactly. And that's complex because you need to uh manage expectations on both sides. There is a group and the, and the company that wants to deploy a strategy. And at the same time, they don't have the clear answers about uh, all local details and adaptation. And of course, I can understand that. And at the same time, you have, let's say, the team expectations uh, that know, uh, I mean, they know how it works. Um, or there is, let's say, a, a local uh, average uh, offer slash proposition that exists on the market. And they just need to be reassured that uh, we are not uh, planning with them. And it's just that we don't really know. And we need to once again adapt. Mm. 
Absolutely. All right. So this was really related to, I would say, HR and people use cases, like specifically, uh, you said that there was also like some business related aspects that you wanted to mention. Yes. Uh, once again, I can cover a few examples, but uh, the business is different, of course, in, uh, in each country. So you can think that South region is the same because it's uh, Latin. Uh, you can think that it's close to the French um, you know, sales approach because we are all part of a, a global uh, Europe and Latino world, but it's not. First of all, um, the language is different. We don't, uh, we don't talk the same language. So Italian is Italian, uh, Spanish is Spanish. And guess what? The level of English in France, Italy, and Spain is not as good as in the Nordics, for example. So this also in terms of business can create some impact. So it means that if you want to make some business, you need to hire people that really speak the language. It seems basic, but at least if you want to go to SaaS enterprise business, well, I do think it's, uh, it's mandatory. But then it's not only about the language, it can also be about the culture. So it means to hire really people from uh, Spain and from Italy, because also the culture, the relationship you can build with your, with your clients are, are different. You know, it's not only be able to be able to, uh, to, to say what you want to say and to understand the expectation, the needs, but it's also about creating a strong relationship with someone. But if you don't have the same culture, if you don't have the same references, uh, well, of course, there, there will be a gap. So all of this is important. I don't think it's mandatory in all cases, but you need to adapt and to take it into consideration uh, in, in, just, in this industrial strategy. Just a quick question so everyone could uh, pick that back up on a timeline, I, I would say. When did you start hiring local people who speak the language uh, regarding you know, those, your stages of internationalization? How long after you started to launch the country? Um, I think, let's say, average one year, point, one year and a half after okay. we launched it. Okay. So you need first to assess the market to understand if there is, a, once again, a good uh, product slash market fit. Um, you need to start to talk to prospect, clients, etc. You need to sign uh, some first deal, mm -hmm. then to be able to, uh, to, uh, to, to accelerate. But yes, average after 1.5 uh, uh, year, we started to hire local people speaking the language and based in, uh, in the country. Okay. All right. So for you, um, having people speaking the language, uh, the targeted language in the country, I guess, in native matter um, was really important. Did you have any other aspects as well that you wanted to mention perhaps on that one? Yes. Um, once again, the culture are, are different. And well, once again, we are on the podcast about international expansion, etc. So I do think I can say that. <laughs> um, Absolutely. But culture... Culture are different. So in business, it is the same. And it's funny to understand how local sales approach can be different and can be different from what you, you thought you know. Uh, so what I mean is that in Italy, legal, for example, is key in the business. So they are really focusing a lot on the legal part, 
on all the you know security aspect, uh, on all the data privacy aspect, which means that you need to take that into consideration in the sales cycle, because you know it will take longer than other countries, for example, France, and you will have a lot of back and forth. So first of all, you need to take that into consideration and say, okay, normally let's say my closing um, time is let's say two months or six months, whatever. But if I'm working on the Italian business, maybe I need to increase it by X percentage. Mm -hmm. um, and then you need to also create the right, let's say, process, organization, or way of working to be able to improve this, uh, this, uh, th this new constraint you have, which means, for example, do you need to translate your contract? M maybe not. Um, how do you adapt the fact that the organization is not yet ready to be able to face specific questions from an Italian team in this example regarding a, a DPA security uh, topic? Um, so all of this, you need to take that into consideration. So, so this is one, one let's say, uh, example about you know legal and paperwork that uh, same you really need to take into consideration. And that, for example, I, I didn't know when we started Italy, you know, there is a goal, you have your champion, uh, you have the cost, everything is clear. You say, okay, now let's move, uh, let's move on. Let's move forward with the contract. And you think you will close it, let's say roughly the same time that, uh, that in other regions. And it takes longer and longer and longer and you don't understand and you start to get fr frustrated. And then it creates a gap also between for example, local people that know the business and that's say, okay, but that's normal. Uh, this is the way we work here. We need this, we need this, we need this. And, and, and you as a manager or you as a company, etc. So this is also very, I think, interesting. And I'm guessing this was, uh, this, all those cultural aspects were key for you to, to convey to your, to your team, to, to, to make sure, you know, that you get to that stabilization, right? Uh, because uh, all those learnings, usually we get them from the launching phase. We, we do many mistakes, as you say, and, uh, and we, we learn a lot during the process so that eventually when you start growing and, and scaling the team, technically speaking, they, they don't have to go through the same mistakes uh, as we, we've gone through first. Yes, yes. Once again, I think you, you said it correctly last time, um, just before, we are the gatekeeper and we are the, 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 the one, the people that needs to create this link between the field, the team, uh, the local uh, aspects, and then once again, the company, the process, the organization, etc., to be able to adapt it. Doesn't mean to change it, because of course we cannot change and adapt for every specific action. But at least once again, communication, transparency on both sides, on both sides uh, is mandatory for you to be able to drive the business because otherwise you will create uh, mis, uh, mis expectations and misalignment uh, on both sides and generate a lot of frustration. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned uh, uh, earlier, when we were talking about like the key aspects to consider, you mentioned communication and clear transparency. So I guess that's another example uh, that highlights this point. Yes, clear vision, clear communication. One point very important, adapt to the local market. So understand the different nuances of each international market. Um, what is effective, what is not effective. Uh, localize the, the sales approach to the specific needs and preferences of each market. Um, and the agile sales processes. 
implement an agile sales process that can be adapted by changing needs of the different market. Because once again, well, it's situation is different. For example, uh, in in Liberia, we know that it's a very price sensitive market, at least at the beginning. It doesn't mean that you cannot sell, let's say, as other countries or even more. But at the beginning, when the brand is unknown, when you don't have clients, etc., it's complex. You need to penetrate the market. And to be able to do that, the price-sensitive topic is key to address. But if you have a price book, a price list of the company that is not fitting the expectation of this local market, how do you do business? So yes, once again, you need uh, here adaptability. I, I won't uh, share the secret sauce, let's say, if uh, if we have one. <laughs> but uh, yes, you just need you, ju- you just need to adapt. Okay, and and to, to your point, uh, because that's um, an interesting example. Actually, uh, pricing etc. that needs to be a- adapted when you started to stabilize your team how written were everything uh, compared to um, the amount of time you would spend with them you know just like talking through this is how we do things etc i'm just trying to see um how 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 processed you guys were when you started to stabilize the team did you have everything written you know uh, already on whatsoever like notion or i know what you guys are using internally so that people can can have a look at uh, information, but how much process were you when you started to stabilize the team in Southern Europe? I, th- I think it's a combination of using the processes we have at the global company level. Mm-hmm. And by adapting these processes, we use Confluence. So for example, yes, on some, uh, let's say, global topic, we needed to adapt, to change, and to update some processes, some documents, and yeah put them in conference for uh, for the team, for the local team. But at the same time, um, I do think you need to change the mindset and be in a startup mode. So once again, before when I was in France, um, the IRR, the team, the organization, everything was different. Everything was more mature and everything was bigger uh, because of uh, the, the, the market uh, history and you know the, just the business we, we, we had and we have in France. And when I moved to South Europe and I started to really focus on it 100%, also my mindset needed to change to be a startup. What I mean by this, by that, is that uh, you cannot say this is a process I will apply it. Once again, I'm talking about scale-up and hyper-growth environment. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about a big established company that just need to <laughs> potentially uh, follow, follow, follow the processes. Otherwise, it would be complicated, even if I do think they need to adapt. And I've talked with bigger companies here in in Spain or in Italy, and they have the same topics. So yes, you need this real uh, startup mindset, which is creating on the local team um, this startup mindset with, let's say, your own guidelines. So you have the guidelines of the group that you need to respect. And then you have, let's say, a second line, which is the guideline of the local country to be able to make it happen, trying to respect and match the processes of the global company. Mm. This is, uh, I mean, I don't know if I'm that clear <laughs> because I cannot show too much example here, um, but this is a bit of the way you need to work. So yeah, if you know that you need to accelerate uh, the legal aspect on some topics, there is always there are always ways to be able to accelerate it, but at the same time respecting uh, the constraints we have as a global company, uh, etc. Same for the sales process, same for the pricing strategy, etc. 
there are always ways, and also you need some support from uh, the leadership team. So uh, to have discussion to say, okay, we want to grow in this region, we want to grow in this country. So uh, what is the margin I have to be able to make that happen, based on uh, the feedback from uh, from the countries and from the local uh, the local teams. I think you said you said a few a few aspects that are quite important here. Uh, obviously, keeping as you mentioned the startup mindset, even though you guys were like bigger and there was a lot of things processed, is really important because as you mentioned, going to any new market there's going to be some changes. There's going to be some adaptability needed or you won't make it. So 100% align. And as you said, having the support of your leadership team, the understanding as well is key. Uh, and uh, I guess by that, you already had uh, a CEO that knew about uh, differences going uh, international. So he knew that um, and, and probably all the leadership is, is aligned that anyways, you can't just have a one-size-fits-all approach. So I uh, completely agree with you. Uh, one thing that... I wanted to to better uh, understand is this aspect of I would say change, but change for people. When you went from that launching to the scaling phase, did you keep all of your team members? Did you like how did you manage that tr transition? Because it's it's not the same job, right? Like you go literally from uh, doing a, a sales job, but it's really like a, um, a country launching job to a more, I would say like mature kind of, uh, of a sales position. So it's, it's not the same, right? Like it's really not the same, the same job. Sometimes if you really like the first phase, maybe you don't like the second phase as much. How did that work for you? Did you, did you keep the whole team moving forward? Did you have to change it? How did that work? That's a very good point. Um, not everyone is capable to face and to embrace the change and uh, and a big journey like this, which is you know moving and changing strategy and also execution every six months. Let's say uh, the thing you know when you are in hypergrowth, scale up, and especially international environment, the only thing you know is that you don't know what will happen. So it really means that it changed every time. So to be able to embrace that, it's complex because it's not only about if you have the good uh, capacity, skills uh, to, to, to do a good job for, from, a, let's say, a professional perspective uh, as a sales, as a CSM, as a marketing uh, people, etc. It's only need to be related to the DNA you have, the personality and what you want to do. To answer your question, I would say that 90% of the team has been changed. Okay. Because it's really complex. So few people uh, were, who started at the beginning, they're still working, uh, let's say, in the region, and they're really happy because they can also see how hard it is, but how fun it is to go from, you know, three people in the region, and few clients and you don't know if you will keep them to, you know, a big client base, um, a good energy, a real office, a real team, a big manager now, etc., etc. And, and, you know, just delivering a lot of uh, businesses and see the face of your client happy in, uh, in, in every calls or every, uh, every uh, event. So some people, they like that, but it's true that it's really difficult. It's really difficult. So you need to understand that the people you hire right now, even if you try to hire good people 
and try to see their potential for the next two, three, five years, um, even more. Well, there is a big percentage of chance that uh, they, they won't fit with your expectation or they just won't fit for themselves. So yes, it, cha it changed a lot. And, you know, once again, in every company and more in uh, the expansion, in expansion international mode, hiring is really, uh, for me, the tougher, toughest job. Uh, and, and, and yeah, until now, it's still complex. I, I don't have the right recipe. I, I still do mistake and I will continue to do mistake, not because I want to, <laughs> but because this is part of the business. It's, it's not a science, you know. I'm with you here 100%. I think even though sometimes we wish it could be a science and you can come with whatever benchmarking, uh, Excel sheet whatsoever, but at the end of the day, those are human interactions and there are a lot of things you, you just can't test, you just can't know from just talking, you know, 31 hour, an, an hour and a half with someone. So definitely with you here. And on that note, um, regarding people as well, when you went through those changes of the team, as you said, you even had to change 90% of your team. How easy or how hard was it um, for those remaining to not feel weird about it, right? To not feel discouraged, not focused, because we know that sometimes, and, and especially uh, I, I would say on, on French companies, that's my experience as well, that um, whenever there there's some people leaving companies here, for instance, it's much more impactful because people are thinking, oh, why are they leaving? Is, is it because they're not happy? Uh, should I question myself as well? Uh, when you go to, to the US, uh, I mean, <laughs> the turnover is so high, like no one actually asks themselves this type of question when there's someone leaving. So did you have some issues in the, your southern region? How did you handle it? Yes, yes, uh, had some issues. Um, I don't think, once again, you can avoid. You can try to anticipate it. You can once again, focus on regular communication and feedback uh, to be able to help the team members to understand and facilitate the open communication. But in the end, impossible to, to know and to define what will happen. So maybe to share with you some example. So yes, it happened to me and some people that were scared. Okay, but how are we growing enough? Uh, what is the future? Mm. Uh, why did it work with this person? Because this person was... Uh, was nice, uh, look professional, etc. And they don't have the full picture. And at the same time, you cannot share everything uh, with, with, uh, with, with, with the team. So you need to find a good balance between this transparency and the communication and the, the feedback um, management. And at the same time, to still explain that this is part of the work. We are not a family. We are a community. It's different. Uh, trying to work from the same purpose. Um, so it happened to me, and maybe to share one example here, it happened to me on uh, one or two cases. Um, if they listen to the to the podcast, they will uh, they will know. Um, but some really good people actually, and I needed to fire them after six or eight months. They were really good, really good. Why it didn't fit? Because they were good, but not at this stage. And I hired some people really good, but not for a really really launching phase. I, I wanted to have people capable to grow the business for the next five years, to be able to um, attack some specific clients that have the good level, the good networking, the good sales approach, for example, uh, to manage some uh, uh, customers, interaction, etc. 
um, and everything was was perfect. But for them personally to leave and face a launching phase of a small company where actually at the beginning you don't have office, uh, you don't know where to go, you need to find a room. Um, everyone is new. Everyone is new at the same time if you want to uh, launch a, a, a team. So the sales don't know how to attack the market. Talking to the SDR that don't know what are the good vocabulary, KPIs, uh, ICP to attack uh, the pipeline. Uh, the pre-sales or solution consultant doesn't know uh, how to you know, demonstrate value. The CSM is still trying to figure out what are the good metrics for him to engage his customer. So everyone is lost. And you, you just need to make all this team work. So it can be very difficult. And some people they say, okay, I mean, the company looks great, but it's not for me. So in the end, yes, uh, we need it. We, we told, uh, or I need it to say, let, let's stop now because I see it will be, it will be uh, an issue. And it's not, mm. once again, the skills of the people is also the, the timing. Completely understood. And, and uh, what, you, what you mentioned, I think, is, um, is just one of the examples, the many, many examples we face. Sometimes, uh, no, no matter how great people are, it's just like if there's a misfit compared to the stage of growth you are, you are at, it just makes sense, you know, for, the, for, the, for both people to just go separate ways. No matter how, how well you like them and, and, you know, how the relationship is with the, with the, the team, sometimes it's, it just has to happen. And uh, it's, uh, it's not easy to handle. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Thanks a lot for everything you've shared so far, Frederic. If that's okay with you, let's move to that last piece of uh, every episode, which is the Oops, My Bad Time. Whoops, my bad. So for those who tune in the first time, it's a few minutes at the end of each episode for the guest to share one setback that happened during the country opening mission. So obviously you've shared a lot of uh, example uh, so far, but maybe if you have like one last example that we can learn from so that we don't repeat the same mistake? <laughs> um, so yes, I, I tried to share some, uh, some mistakes, some uh, difficulties and challenges uh, w we faced to, to be a bit more concrete and, and transparent. But let's say to sum up one uh, key learning um, to address local nuances in certain markets is maybe um, underestimating the lead time required for certain markets to fully embrace the offering and same for the people. So in the end, the learning here is the importance of uh, patience. Um, so it, it could be basic, but you need to understand that if you're launching a country, I mean, you won't be able to create um, magic and miracles in one quarter, in three, in three months. So you need patience to hire the right people, define the good pitch, and the storytelling for the, for, the, for the company in the local market, understand the local nuances, as I was saying, and adapt all of it. At the same time, taking into consideration the local challenges and also the company challenges and the way the company is growing, etc. as I was saying, to merge this gap and make the link between the two. So patience is key and it's difficult because normally when you are on a scale-up slash startup, 
slash hypergrowth environment where you don't want to hear about this word patience. Absolutely. You don't want to hear about it. And usually it your, doesn't your exist. Leader, yeah, and le leadership especially doesn't want to hear about it. <laughs> no, so that, that, that that's a fact. Um, so I think everyone will understand and will agree, but it's hard to be able to to integrate this concept of mm -hmm. patience in a, in a, in a really hypergrowth environment. And one maybe last example to, to answer your question is hiring too fast. This is, I mean, the, the biggest mistakes I've done uh, in this international expansion was to hire too fast because I needed to. I was in a hurry. Um, and I was like, okay, I need this person to come. And in the end, you meet someone, uh, there is a good fit, you check everything, like, okay, it, it seems to work, let's go for it. And, you know, what if it doesn't work? Well, we will change, you know? Every Everyone is uh, adaptable, we, we will change. But in the end, this is the worst thing to do because it will create even worse impact that you that you fought, uh, especially by stabilizing the team, as we were saying during, uh, during the conversation. So, uh, once again, patience, and try to <laughs> to uh, <laughs> to uh, and I hear not too fast, yeah. <laughs> well, those are uh, very concrete and uh, aspects of how you can make things wrong and mistakes to avoid. So thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for everything you shared today, Frederic. I hope uh, listeners enjoyed today. I know that I did. So I just have to tell you until next time then. Thank you for having me. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening until the end. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe to not miss the next one. And please share it with two people in your network. This is how this podcast gets more visibility and can help more of us to work on international markets. See you soon.